I'm a 20-year-old kid from Pakistan. I, I'm majoring in psychology and I study philosophy and sociology as minors. Um, I'm also a novelist. Uh, I don't like talking about myself a lot because I, just, I kind of feel narcissistic, but I, do, I have two published books. Um, these are fictional books. And yeah, and, I, and I'm a musician too. Um, I, I, guess, I guess that's it. I mean, the, big, the biggest thing about all of this is that uh, I'm, I'm just really, um, I'm generally a very normal kid. I'm just very open-minded, and that's what like discriminates me from other Pakistanis because Pakistan can be, you know, very monotonous, and people here are very um, can be very tricky to handle. So yeah, I'm I'm a normal kid, honestly, and not anything special. Yeah, and um, I've heard that you identify yeah, as an um, atheist. I don't. Okay, the thing is, before this pandemic happened, right, the COVID-19 pandemic, I was an atheist. I was I was a nihilist. I'm still an atheist or pretty much an agnostic. I don't believe in God because uh, to, f for me, the, the, you know, the Zen Buddhist concept of Taoism, that's, that's, that's the closest thing to religion that I'll ever get because I believe in that. But the... You know, the biblical uh, concept of God, uh, the Christian or the Muslim concept of God or the Jewish concept of God, that God is this uh, authoritative figure, this grandfather figure who cares about who you, who are, who not you shag and who, who, who has very definite rules about who you should marry and who you should love and who you should, um, where should you should be at what time. And this is, this is the kind of God I don't believe in. For multiple reasons, for a lot of reasons, and I, I guess in that way you can say I um, identify as an atheist. You know, Alan Watts said a really nice thing about this. Uh, he said atheism in the name of God. That's what he advocates. So yeah, you can call me an atheist in the name of. God. I am a spiritual person. Okay, the people who I call myself an atheist, and then they assume I'm not a spiritual person. I am a spiritual person, but I I, I draw a line. I draw a line between what's real and what's what what's what I'm projecting or what's what my feelings are, right? That's what psychology helps me do. I believe in vibrations. I believe that the universe has vibrations and they carry energy. I believe in on my own energy. I believe in the uh, Hindu concept of chakras. Not exactly, but I do believe in that. Um, I just, I think... My philosophy is do what you you have a you have this time on that on earth right, but that's not you. That's just your ego. You've constructed this personality to experience the universe in a different way. You as your essence is the same thing as the universe. You are the stardust. You, your atoms are the same that were present in stars when they bursted when the universe began. So yeah, you you are the universe. That's that's what my philosophy is. You are the flow. You are the chakra. You are the god. You are the universe. Everything that has ever existed is you, and you possess the momentum, the energy of everything that has ever lived or will live or everything that is, because the only thing that is is present. Yeah, um, I hold a Taoist uh, worldview more or less. I mean, I don't necessarily believe in you know uh, past lives or future lives, or I don't believe that everything happens for a reason or anything. It's just that. When you let go of your ego or, or when you let go of you trying to do the right thing uh, and this right thing has to be very specific according to religion, I think that's where you 
understand that life is bigger than what we make of it. I mean, we, we're just, we're a very small planet. We're living on a very small planet and we're a very small species. All right. It's just, there are only 8 billion of us. That's not even, uh, not even properly 8 billion. And there are trillions of galaxies out there. I mean, we're very, very small and we make ourselves very, very big. We have a limited time as a human consciousness on earth. And I think we should just enjoy it that let's not, I mean, the bigger, I, I, I have a philosophy, a philosophical view that we can't really answer the bigger questions because it's pointless. We, we, we're not that big. We're not that great that we can answer the bigger questions. And we can never prove if there, there exists a God and we can never disprove if there exists a God. But that doesn't mean that we should choose between the two. I don't say that there is a God and I don't say there isn't a God. All right. Um, so, uh, you know, let's take Islam, right? So uh, the moment you're born, you're, you're told everything has been created and it's been created by God. And you ask them who created God? And the answer comes that you shouldn't ask these questions. This is the Satan or the devil messing with you. This is what will lead you to hell. And have you ever wondered how terrible the concept of hell is for any reason? I mean, if, if God is good, why would he send anybody for any reason into a place that burns you for eternity? This is, this is an amount of uh, time that is not even, you can't even comprehend that. Eternity is long, is very long. And the thing is, I don't, I don't understand. I've I've seen it culturally. I've seen it, uh, you know, realistically. Why why would people be following religion? It's because it gives them a sense of safety. When I became an atheist for the first time, that was when I was 16. Yeah, and I I went in, I went into this uh, emotional dread and this existential dread. All right, and uh, I I became a nihilist, and I I used to wonder what it would be like to die. You know, having no consciousness forever, I mean, that would be, that was depressing. I mean, it was also liberating, but that was also depressing because us as humans, we, we, we just want to, we just want to feed off of some stimulus. We just want some, somebody to tell us something, or we just want to see something or do something. We just want to stay alive. And as, as I study psychology, I realized that this is, um, there's a Jungian perspective on psychology that tells us that we build our own ego and uh, we we, uh, we have a collective unconsciousness and we build our egos to survive in the world. And this is what goes with the Taoist philosophy. We all believe in a democracy, right? We, we, we understand that a democracy is way better than a monarchy, right? We believe that people uh, will tell what they want and people will decide the fate of their state, right? Not a single person who has all the power, right? It shouldn't be like that. That would be a flawed system. That would be a terrible system, a cruel system. Then how can you possibly believe that the universe is a monarchy? That there is a God who's authoritative and he, he has all the power and he's going to force you to do some, do everything in his accordance. I mean, I don't understand why uh, me drinking alcohol is prohibited you, uh, in Islam. If you if you leave Islam, that's apostasy, right? If you leave Islam, you're punishable by death. Uh, if somebody takes you to court, you're punishable by death. 
and this is the kind of thing that I really, really disagree with because it, God is good and God wants, God doesn't want you to drink and God doesn't want you to have sex before marriage or outside of marriage or God doesn't want you to, you know, wear a certain type of clothes. But God wants you to kill people for not believing in God. I mean, how small is your God? There's this creator of the universe who's, who's made billions and trillions of galaxies. This is, this is just way too small a concept. This is this is what, um, you know, a 6th century Arab's uh, dream would be like. Or This is what pe pagan religions of uh, that Arabic culture uh, had in them uh, forever. And this is... This is the same mentality and the same concept striving today because of religion, and this is this is why I'm very against organized religion. I, I I don't I don't say that you can you can believe in God. I mean you can, sure you can, but you, we need to realize that God doesn't want you to be organized in a mob. God God doesn't want you to do anything specifically. God, if if God is there and God is all love, then God does want you. To, just wants you to love and he doesn't have obligations and if it is an authoritative God I would much rather rebel I would I would much rather die for my rights than conform to the uh, a petty God's uh, authoritative uh, um, you know rule over me I would much rather rebel and die and be shot and be killed and die and be burnt in hell forever because I, I, I I don't believe that you can actually live your life if you live your life in fear. Well, there's not there's not a, a single reason. There's there are million millions of reasons. A, um, no, I mean there, there's a philosophical discussion always going on about the existence of God itself uh, outside of religion, and uh, I think we've pretty much figured out that uh, God doesn't, or at least you cannot prove that a God exists in any way. Um, the thing about Islamic theology in particular is that it it um, it steals spirituality away from you. It what it does why I don't dis, why do I don't agree with it is because it it is way too rigid to be reformed. Um, uh, you know we have this belief that Prophet Muhammad I mean, uh, the Muslims have this belief that Prophet Muhammad was the last prophet, right? And uh, everything that God will ever say has already been said, and this is the final word, and no, no reforms can ever be taken place. But th this is a sixth-century religion. Women have have a very different. Uh, the idea of women is very different in Islam than what the modern idea of women is. That women are human and are not possessions and. Uh, they have equal rights and they should come out. I mean, the whole concept of women. I mean, this Islam is a feminist religion. I mean, from from the standards of a sixth century uh, Arab culture, maybe yeah, sure. Uh, Islam gave them the right of inheritance, and Islam gave them the right of uh, you know divorce. But they only get half the inheritance. Their witness is only half uh, of what a man's is, and they they can't say no to sex. If their husband asks them, I mean, they, they, there is no consent anymore if they get married. So that's 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 the kind of thing I disagree with. I mean, Islam may was maybe a revolutionary religion when it came along, but now uh, we we have realized that our ideals are very different. We have human rights. I mean, 
United Nations has better has a better charter than what uh, you know religion gives you and Islam in particular gives you because uh, in Islam if you're born a slave you're 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 born if you're born to a slave you're a slave um, today we know that slavery is of course of course slavery is bad I mean people say that uh, that culture was different and that time era was different and that's exactly what I say too yeah of course slavery was fine back then right because people didn't know what slave what impact slavery had on other people but now we do know so let's let's forget about that and let's just look at the world right now let's choose a viewpoint whatever viewpoint you want and let's just stick to it because uh, religion is always going to bring you back to the dark ages. If if you choose science, you're always looking forward. If you choose your own spiritual philosophy, you're always looking forward. What organized religion does, especially Islam, especially biblical, you know, Abrahamic religions, they pull you back to dark ages and they tell you that that's the best way to live your life. And if you go against that, you're going to be burned you're going to be burning in hell forever and that's a very very scary concept because nobody wants to burn in hell forever it the only thing that stood between me and atheism was my fear of hell the moment my fear of hell was gone i realized that all of this is frankly bullshit and um do you think that fear of hell is what drives islamic the islamic religion or other religions oh yeah absolutely Absolutely, the fear of hell and the ecstasy of heaven. The Islamic concept of heaven is abominable. Uh, you you die, and then you go to this place which which has seven different levels. Okay, so there's not one heaven. There are seven different heavens in Islam. And uh, first of all, if you're a good person, why there are still levels? There's still discrimination, and that's the whole, that, that's basically the whole deal of it. I mean, it's it's it just doesn't that just doesn't sit right with me. I mean, there there are a lot of contradictions in the books themselves. There's a lot of things that don't sit right with the modern morality. There's there's a lot of things that culturally are just are just very are just way you know way in the past. The modern world needs new stuff, right? The the concept of heaven sounds like. Uh, a sixth-century Arab's wet dream. The concept of hell sounds like your your biggest fear. Somebody like a nightmare. I mean, this isn't this isn't a beneficent god. This isn't a good god. This is this is a very very authoritative petty figure who would do anything to get him to get you to worship him. And this is what I disagree with. God, if if a god does exist and he did create us, that that god must must be entirely different from what uh, these religions painted right and that's that's one of the biggest deals because god is a very vague term and you can fit anything you, i can call the big bang my god right it's it's a huge blast of energy that's it i can call it my god so what the the picture that these religions these abrahamic religions and especially islam paint is very very horrifying and this is this doesn't that just doesn't fit right with me. it shouldn't fit right it shouldn't fit right with anyone i mean i i don't understand how you could at any time follow a god like like this no offense to anybody who does but grow up
And um, I want to ask, like, how how, how does uh, does the Quran um, depict women, or how are women treated di- differently in Islam compared to what the UN Charter would in uh, make? In Islam or in Quran, women is women are possession. You know, it, it, they that's exactly what it's talked about, right? They're not uh, taken as people; they're taken as property. Uh, if if you rape my uh, daughter, I can rape yours. If you if you uh, you're uh, the person who who rapes your daughter, you have to marry your daughter to that person. You know things like these these. Yeah, this is a, this is still somewhat controversial. But what's what's true is that um, you know you you're allowed to beat your wife if she disobeys you, right? Things like these, uh, you you're you're allowed to you know kick her out of the house. You're allowed to stop uh, <clears throat> giving her any any sort of emotional or financial strength if she disobeys you. You're allowed to strike her, of course. And you know a woman's testimony is just as half as a man's testimony in court. Uh, if you have to prove uh, anything in court. Um, if you don't, you you'll have to bring men as witnesses. Two men as witnesses, and if you cannot bring two men as witnesses, you'll have to bring two women and a man as a witness. This is these are the exact words of Quran, um, and also you know if if a woman gets raped, the, uh, she cannot uh, her her testimony is not um, uh, applicable unless she has four male witnesses who witness her rape. Where in the world? A person rapes in front of four people. You can never prove rape like this, and this is exactly what happened in 1970s when Zayal Haq came and he Islamized Pakistan. And this 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 rule became this this rule became the law here, and no rape cases were reported for 10 years, because no rape case would ever have four witnesses. That's not that's not an accomplishment. That's that's really really tragic. Women got raped every day and they couldn't even report it. So this is the kind of thing. This is the kind of difference that there is in this and in the modern, you know, the United Nations human rights uh, theology. Um, the thing is, women in today's world, in in the Western world, Muslim women claim. That they're victims of Islamophobia and they're actually pretty feminist and uh, everything, but they they don't realize that uh, they cannot choose whether or not they can put on hijab. They cannot choose that. If uh, you're you're just say that your uh, hijab you, that you you cannot force me not to wear hijab, right? But that's exactly what Islam does, right? It forces you to wear hijab. Can you excuse me for just a moment? All right, so. So this is what we're talking about. Uh, this is what happens when we talk about women in Islam, right? So if you, uh, thing is that, uh, you know, Arabic culture is a very, very strictly guided culture that has a very, very controversial underground scene, right? Um, what, what in streets you cannot do anything, right? But it's perfectly fine if you're doing it in the confinements of your home or in your private lounges and stuff. And that's the kind of, you know, the rich Arabic culture, the kind of culture that the Arabic princes have uh, over there because they have tons of money. 
uh, in case they'll show this, you know, Islamic uh, giving Islam value and uh, under like the covers of privacy, they they'll be going against Islam. They'll be drinking. They'll be smoking. They'll be you know doing drugs. They'll be committing adultery, having sex, partying, everything. And that's the kind of uh, hypocrisy there is when we. I think what the difference between uh, you know um, Christians and Muslims, the biggest difference is the is the anger, anger that the Muslim people possess. That uh, if if you go to America, right, you can stand uh, in, outside the White House and you can say you know you can say blasphemous words and sure some people might get angry but the state still can't do a thing to you because you have freedom of speech but here you know the, there there's this recent case this uh, you know pakistani actress very famous pakistani actress went to this mosque and she just did a spin not even a proper dance just a spin just to show her dress around she did a spin that's it and now she's been charged under blasphemy and the death, uh, the penalty for blasphemy in Pakistan is death. So this is the kind of thing I don't. Uh, this is the kind of thing that really scares me. That that's the main difference between if if I were born a Christian, right, and if I were born in uh, you know America or the United Kingdom, I probably would have stayed Christian because if the more you delve into this philosophy, into this the theological philosophy of uh, an authoritative God, of a God where uh, you're 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 gonna end up in hell. I mean, you can find a million reasons why you're gonna end up in hell. This is what I study in psychology too, uh, the shadow archetype. We all have that bad inside of us, and if we keep thinking about uh, how we're gonna end up in hell. Because we're bad people, we also really trouble our own minds, our own mental health, and this is why uh, Freud, you know, uh, Sigmund Freud calls religion a neurosis, a collective neurosis. Because re what religion does is it will take basic birthrights from you, and it will promise them that in heaven. Uh, so let's say you have five basic birthrights, like uh, say you have, you know, your sexuality. Or your choice of um, uh, ha loving whoever you want, or your choice of uh, being able to eat whatever you want. Uh, this includes pork and uh, alcohol, right? And it will take these, the, these, this three, these three points, and it will give you the rest. And it will promise you that you will get these three points in heaven. You'll get, you'll get to drink in heaven. You'll get to have amazing sex in heaven. And this is what. Uh, it does over time. It develops a state of neurosis inside your mind where you're constantly thinking about sex, and you're constantly thinking about sinning, like doing drugs and doing alcohol. This is what it did with me. Uh, for uh, at my time of puberty, when I was exploring my own sexuality, I'm bisexual, by the way, so the state can kill me if they want to. <laughs> but yeah, if uh, when I was exploring my own sexuality, I realized that. Islam is not. This is not okay with Islam, and that was and that was really troublesome with me because I didn't understand why I had to face this trouble. I didn't understand why this was so wrong, and eventually I just realized that this is a tool created by 
uh, men in power to control uh, men who are weak and to control the masses that's it uh, religion is a political tool our country was created on the name of religion and the creation of that country benefited the elite or the bourgeoisie of the indian subcontinent the muslim bourgeoisie of the indian subcontinent so that that's that's the only thing it did and what it left us was a divided state with the uh, um, religious differences and religion becoming a tool you know kashmir right now is under fire people are dying every day uh, there is no internet there no way to talk there's blackouts there's protests there's terrorist attacks there's army interventions from india and pakistan all of this all of this based on religion that's it based on religion but the thing is we think it's based on religion it's not actually based on religion it's based it's made to be based on religion so higher powers could benefit but that's a, a very political and very very stressing debate which is very different from what we're talking about right now what we're talking about right now is the problems i have with islamic theology and i think it's very i think it's very very apparent i i don't understand why you know interest is haram or prohibited in islam right but every bank here every bank in this country uh, will uh, give you loans with interest why it's it's been it has been you know accepted it has been normalized in this country to gain profit from uh, interest but it will never be uh, normalized in this country to be bisexual or to be gay why both are sins both are but apparently we only care about the money when it comes to economical conditions we are exactly like the west and when it comes to religious and cultural um, you know uh, significance we 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 don't even know who we are us i mean living in pakistan i don't know what i call myself i can't call myself indian because of course i'm not indian i can't call myself an arab i'm because i'm not an arab i i come from the indian subcontinent i come from the land of punjab and uh, i'm not i'm not a muslim of course and i i can't call myself an atheist and that's not a, that that's not an i nobody calls themselves a non stamp collector right nobody calls themselves a non sports player i'm not an i'm a non religious person i can't base my personality around being a non religious person so that's that's what's very confusing and this is why people cling on to religion so much here people they they have nothing else to identify with they can't identify themselves as indians they can't identify themselves as arabs they i don't know why they can't just identify themselves as humans but they have to identify themselves as muslims and this is what it does and every time there is not they they feel like their religion is being threatened right now and it happens with everything you know that 2015 charlie hebdo attack i mean he, charlie have to made the cartoons of the prophet muhammad and the muslims went crazy 12 um, uh, the isis attacked on the charlie have to headquarters 12 people died uh, hundreds were injured there was a huge mess and for in pakistan 
we were praising that. We were praising ISIS. And I, I just don't understand why we feel, if, if God is almighty and if God is real and true and your Islam is true, why, do you, why are you so afraid of it? Why are you so afraid that your religion will die? Because deep down all of us know that the, all of this is bullshit. And we are just forming to one ideology that will you know, keep us happy. Uh, when you talk about um, Russia or China, your, your mind straight away enters that communist ideology. Right? And that's exactly what happens there. They went to an extreme and they're facing their own troubles. They face their own troubles. We've, we've gone to an extreme. We've, we've identified ourselves with uh, the ideology of Islam. And that has created troubles for us. We've, we've bred terrorists. Nobody, it doesn't matter what anybody says. We bred terrorists here. We, we're giving ourselves um, the, we gave ourselves the worst times. It's, I, it's a very good news. The terrorism has finally come to a halt in Pakistan. We, we've gotten rid of terrorists. And this is very good, but the extremism has still not gone, and the right-wing nationalism is growing. Even though all over Pakistan there are movements against the norm, the the norm of religion, like there's there's a feminist movement called Aurat March that comes in every year, and it's a whole march, and it's it's beautiful, and it's standing up, and I've seen. Uh, atheists are joining it, people from the LGBTQ are joining it, women are joining it, women are coming out on the street and this is the sort of counterculture movement that Pakistan has uh, started to grow and this is because of the age of the internet. If, if I were, if there was no internet I'd still probably be a Muslim and I'd still probably be calling every uh, non-Muslim um, uh, every disbeliever is something bad. I would probably be cursing them and I'd probably be happy with my life. But deep down, all of us do realize that this is very, very tragic. If Islam is true, I don't, I don't really want to be in this world anyway. I don't want to, I don't want to live in a world where God is sort of what Islamic God tells us to be. I can I can probably rant for a long time. It's uh, it's just that I I I, I constantly have to you know uh, uh, see what I'm saying you know think about what I'm saying so I don't say anything that's blasphemous because you know I can I am very careful about that but also because you know the thing about people here the the extremist the mob mentality here. Is that they don't they don't care they don't care who you are they don't care what you said even if they don't understand it if they hear you that you're an atheist and if they find out that you even took the name of religion they'll come after you and you know the worst part is there is no legal representation for atheists in Pakistan uh, uh, there was a consensus held last year and uh, I tried uh, you know, stating that I was religious and I was told that that's not, that's not an option. I have to choose my religion and my ID card, my national ID card says I'm a Muslim. So I wrote Muslim. Uh, this is one of the biggest problems here too. Uh, atheists, almost um, 44 million people out of the 210 million people, 4 million people, I think, 
are now atheists here, four or six million people, and that's a growing population, and it's growing all the time, and this is the biggest minority now in Pakistan, but it still does not have a legal representation. There is no such thing as atheists according to the Pakistani constitution. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I could, but then again, I told you, apostasy is a crime punishable by death in Pakistan, so yeah, I'll, I'll get killed. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I... If I say there is no God, that's still understandable. If I say there's a concept of shirk, that it, the concept is uh, calling another God the same as your God. And that's, that's even worse in Islam. So, yeah, I'd probably get shot in the head. <laughs> and um, I always hear a lot that um, when people who, for example, who, mobs who uh, kill people for apostasy... When it go when it goes to court, they they, they get usually get yeah. uh, uh-huh. uh they, they get, get away, away with, with it very often. Yeah, is that th- true? There's a recent case here of uh, a person who claimed to be a prophet. Okay, so now I study psychology, and people who generally claim to be prophets are schizophrenic, and they're mentally ill patients, and they're going through psychosis and everything, right? So uh, does this person claim to be a prophet? And, uh, what a sane person would do is laugh at them, ignore them, and move on. But this guy was brought to court, and there was a whole uh, criminal procedure going on there because he, he did apostasy, right? So there was a whole uh, procedure going on, and one of the people in the audience, the, the, the people that sit in the court, got up, he, this 14 years old, he got up, he brought a gun out of his uh, shirt, and he shot the guy. He shot the guy. And I don't re- and he is being celebrated in Pakistan right now. As we speak, people are say- calling him the hero of the nation, the hero of Islam. And this not it's just not that he got away with it. No, he's celebrated as a hero. He, he's he's a fourteen year old kid who killed somebody and he's celebrated as a hero. This is the insanity. This is the insanity of religion. Uh, um, do you still want to talk about Islam? Because um, I, I could keep going. You know, I yeah, can let I'm you keep getting going. You know? up. I mean, why not? <laughs> I just, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think you should. You you'll have to make this anonymous. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Let's let's go on. All right. Um, what what next? I mean, th- there's a lot of. Uh, let's talk about slavery. All right. Um, the Prophet Muhammad, he had slaves, right? And every other uh, companion of his had slaves, right? So, if Islam is the moral right, why it, does it endorse slavery? And nor does it endorse it. Um, you know, you can have four wives in Islam, but that's not it. You can have as many sex slaves as you want. And you can have sex them, you can have sex with them, you can rape them, you can do whatever you want with them. Because those are your sex slaves. And these slaves were captured during wars. So these, are, these aren't just people who were sold into slavery or, you know, slaves. These were war captives, innocent people, innocent working class people that were taken from their homes and put in chambers just to be raped. 
So, and this is this is mentioned in the Quran uh, that you can have sex with your what what your right hand possesses, which is the code wording for your sex slaves. And th this is the when you when you look at Islam, right? It's very 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 sexually obsessed. I have Muslims claim to be sexually pure, right? They say that we don't have uh, sexual instincts and we're very pure and the West is very sexually charged and it, it has no um, dignity and everything. But Islam itself is very obsessed with sex. You know, uh, um, Pro uh, Prophet Muhammad's wife, Aisha, was six years old when he married her. She was nine years old when he consummated her marriage. Nine years old when they had sex. I don't I don't know in what world would you see that's terrifying and that's terrible. And people endorse that. People think that's that's an amazing thing. People love this. People love this. In today's modern world, in the twenty first century, people are okay with the idea of a 53-year-old man having sex with a 9-year-old. Prophet Muhammad was 53 at that time when he married Aisha. So yeah, let that sink in. Anyway, so this is this is another one of my problems with Islam that it, it, it it's very two-faced. It tells you that it's not obsessed with sex and sex is nothing but it's actually very obsessed with sex. You cannot look in the eye of the opposite gender. If you do that, uh, you're going to hell. You cannot touch the opposite gender. I mean, not even with handshakes or you know casual hugs or anything. You you just can't touch the opposite and opposite sex. You cannot talk to the opposite sex. You cannot. These are all and the uh, these aren't just cultural obligations. What what modern Muslims do is they say that these are just cultural obligations that we have developed these are these actually don't have anything to do with islam but the thing is there are 72 different school of thoughts about islam there are 72 different sects of islam and most of these sects do uh, endorse all of these cultural obligations of not talking not speaking not thinking about the opposite sex what this does is uh, if you take freud's perspective of psychology this this um, uh, this create this suppresses your sexual desires and uh, in the islamic concept of heaven you you get this uh, escape from these sexual desires you can think about heaven and you can think about 72 virgins and that that's what should, that's what's going to take you away from all of your sexual uh, libido just uh, you know getting saturated inside your body and you can't get a release so that's your release and for that for for that concept of heaven people will do anything people will bomb the uh, united states new york's twin towers you know they'll they'll do anything for that and that's that's the biggest deal i mean isis carries out terrorist attacks all over the world but it's not just it's not just that they're doing this politically. They genuinely believe the people who go out on suicide attacks genuinely believe that they're changing the world for good. They're genuinely believing that um, there is a God who loves this, and they're gonna and they're gonna end up in heaven, and everything is always gonna be good from now on. Which is 
I, I don't understand this at all. I, I, my mind cannot understand this because at least even if you, the thing is we've made religion way too big of a big of an identity for ourselves because we 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 lack anything else to conform into, right? When people don't have any other, uh, people like making groups. This is that group. That is that group. This is the LGBT group. This is the feminist group. This is the Christian group. This is the Hindu group, and this is the Muslim group. And I belong to the Muslim group. We we forget that we're you know we're all human beings. And it's not just with Islam. If you race is a group. This is the white race. This is the African race. This is the Indian. This is the Asian race, right? So people people just like forming groups. And after they form those groups, they they start uh, you know they start identifying themselves with one group, and they start developing this sense of hatred towards the other groups. Now this this was important when we were uh, uh, hunter gatherers, when we did not have any sense of morality at all. This was uh, beneficial for us because it helped us survive in the in the wild. But today, this lasts as religious identities or nationalist identities. Uh, I, I call myself Pakistani. So since I am Pakistani and you're from the Philippines, we're different. But um, we're not. That's the Taoist philosophy. We're not different. These are just arbitrary terms. And that's, when you really think about it, yeah, these are arbitrary terms. You, you didn't choose where you were born. I didn't choose where I was born. Why, why am I a Pakistani? Why am I not? from the Philippines or I'm an American or an Indian why why am I a Pakistani and is it really something that really to be proud of and the same thing applies for religion every person who's born uh, in a in the, his specific religion thinks that his religion is the one that's true so if you're born a Muslim you're gonna think you're gonna be very grateful that you're born a Muslim because that's a true religion if you're born a Jew you're gonna be very grateful that you're a Jew because that's uh, your religion, right? If you're born a Hindu, the same thing, yada yada. So we need to understand that it's okay to believe in things. I'm not an advocate of uh, removing God at all from your life. You can you can believe in Islam, sure, but just don't act on it. That's you can believe in a God. I don't want you to you know force yourself to believe into everything that a sixth century book says, right? You you may find some some stuff good. Yeah, sure, go on. You 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 wanna offer prayers the way Muslims do? Sure, go on. You wanna pray five times a day? Sure, go on. But if somebody else wants to be uh, gay or is a woman who wants to have equal rights or uh, wants to be an atheist or wants to go into a different religion, let them be. They're, they're not your they're not yours to control. Let them be. If your God is real, he's gonna he's going to be able to control himself. I mean, we we call God our protector, right? But we feel very, very insecure anytime anybody has an attack on our God, right? If, if I go to a Muslim and I tell him that your God's not real, he's going to come at me. He's going to try to kill me. He's going to try to, you know, shut me up because he's insecure. Because if he's proven wrong, he'll realize that all of his life was a lie, and he could have, and he could have done what his birthrights were. He could have, he could have uh, gone out and you know, uh, 
done whatever he's wanted. He could have worn the clothes he wanted, or uh, gone out and had a drink, or ha could have partied, or you know, stuff like that, or could have um, grown grown a business that gr grows on uh, interest and stuff like that. You know, uh, I think I think that's the real issue with us. We're we're too fixated with religious identity. We we too fixated with ideology and identity itself because what what what's wrong with not having an ideology? What's wrong with not conforming to a single ideology? I don't conform to a single ideology. I'm a nihilist. I also believe in Taoism. I also um, like absurdism. I I like some stuff from some from one ideology, some stuff from other ideology. I'm a little bit of a nationalist. Way too much of a liberal. A little bit of a capitalist, a little bit of a, a communist. It's fine. Just you, you can, you can follow what you like. But what we need to understand is that you don't have the right or the power or the authority to control another person's ideology either. And I think that's that's the only way we can live in harmony. We we need to understand each other. We need to accept each other. The um. We we are creating way too much hatred for ourselves. We are we are conforming into these uh, arbitrary concepts of what's real and what's not. Even though we cannot figure, there's no way you can prove to me that Allah in particular exists. There is no way in the world, right? But still, some people would try. Some people would try their best, uh, and when they cannot prove it with words anymore, they'll prove it with hands, they'll, then they'll prove it with swords, and then they'll prove it with guns. Yeah, so this is basically the the gist of what's wrong with Pakistan in like, um, on, the, on the surface level. When it, when it goes down to it on a deeper level, it just, it just keeps getting darker and darker and crazier and crazier, and this is the kind of thing that doesn't let me sleep at night. I I cannot sleep at night because of this. I keep thinking about the the patterns I'm seeing everywhere. Everybody is getting more and more intolerant by the day. There are there is news about deaths being celebrated uh, on the internet every day in Pakistan, and I just it just I just honestly want to get out of this country first of all, so I can at least go and take a breather. This is how afraid I am, and this is this is the oppression of minorities in Pakistan too, now, right? Uh, I, as an atheist, can't even identify myself as an atheist. But um, in if if I was a Hindu, I'd probably be forced and converted into Islam. If I were a Christian, I'd probably be forced and converted into Islam. So this is not just the atheist persecution. Uh, uh, this is not just the atheist persecution or oppression. All minorities are oppressed in Pakistan, and it is not a safe place anymore. I I love this country from my heart. I love everything about. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, Ma Malik. Um, I just wanted to say that. Um, okay. Uh, I I think that uh, uh, you you have seen the systematic um oppression and the problems in Islam in your in your country and as you've seen it around the world and um but I would have to in a way um give credence to those uh, individual Muslims who do not hold the same views as 
uh, what the public or what you have uh, what you've stated you know a lot of them would have a lot of uh, have justifications for their beliefs and I, I and I, I would only say that um, I would agree on you on on why you on for on the reasons of why you left Islam okay um, I, I hang out with a lot of Muslims and we never have a difference between our beliefs I mean they, they know I'm an atheist I know they're Muslims uh, we, we know each other's differences and we agree with each other's uh, opinions about some stuff and we disagree about other stuff and it's it's completely normal to have those differences but when when I as a minority speak up it's because that um, you know their point of view is already out there anybody can talk to a Muslim right talking to an atheist is a difficult thing because you won't find a lot of atheists who are willing to talk in Pakistan because they'll be persecuted of course but yeah of course uh, this isn't a debate. This isn't a debate going on here. I'm just putting my views out there. There's all I can be wrong a hundred percent, right? But prove to me I'm wrong. Don't just kill me. Prove to me. Tell me from your words how am I wrong, right? But let's get philosophical. Yeah, let's let's get get into that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, tell me uh, what f- uh, specific worldviews you hold. So I told currently. you I'm a nihilist, right? I'm. You can call me a nihilist, right? I don't believe that anything has inherent meaning in this world. Um, you know what's material? Do you know what material nihilism is? Uh, it's um. You see, nothing is ever created or nothing is ever destroyed. It's just rearrangement of matter. So if you if you start cutting a piece of uh, log, you know, a piece of wood, at at what point, at what specific point, can you say that this uh, uh, this piece of wood has become a chair? I mean, if you're carving it into a chair, there's not a single specific point where you can point out, okay, now this log has become a chair. It is a gradual difference. This. Uh, it carves up, it starts uh, taking form. It's a chair before it's completed, all right? But it's uh, not a chair when it started. There is not a single point where you can uh, uh, clearly draw a line and say, all right, this is where a chair has been created and a log has been destroyed. And this this uh, applies to everything in the world. We, I told you in the start that we're all stardust, right? We all come from stardust. We the same atoms that cre- that were in, the, in these stars are now inside us. And when we'll die, and eventually the Earth will blow up, and our solar system would blow up, we'll become stardust again. And I don't know what happens after that or what happens before that. I don't know anything. All I know for real is that. Our atoms have always existed and will always exist, either in the form of matter or in the form of energy. And that's what uh, physics tells us too, right? So this is what material nihilism is, that there is no essence to anything. There is no essence to you being a human. There is no human essence. Similarly, if, if I have a guitar, there is no essence to that guitar. It's just a piece of wood with some uh, nylon or... Uh, brass strings attached to it. That's just it. And those are carvings. Those are the same elements, the same uh, hundred and so elements of a periodic table just arranged differently. 
that's that's the difference and the, these arrangements is what we um, call things this is what gives us an illusion of where this thing is so why is a guitar more important than a tree or why is a tree more important than a guitar i mean it's not because there is no singular essence to that differentiates between that tree and that guitar it's just your uh, concepts of what matter is when it's in it in this particular shape or form okay so um it seems that you're a more of a, an existential yeah, yeah, nihilist yeah. i guess yeah I, 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 mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. but when it comes to epistemological nihilism or ontological nihilism, yeah, I, I hold, hold those, those views, views as well. As well, because when we talk about because, but um, I would disagree with you then because th- those are self-defeating. Uh, would it be really though? I mean, let's talk about ep- epistemological nihilism. That's just saying that um, we cannot find true meaning of anything, right? Because there isn't one. No, that that's not. Uh, it's it's more of uh, any any form yeah, you of, gain any knowledge of knowledge that you yeah, might yeah, exactly. claim. You cannot gain epistemology is the study of knowledge, right? Epistemological nihilism would be that you cannot. Yeah. So how do you know that that uh, epistemological nihilism is correct? I don't. That's the point. Nobody can figure. Yeah. It exactly. Out. And so it, it it's it doesn't uh, make it a logical. Um, I uh, epistemology because if if you claim that uh, you you can't know anything for sure, then you can't know that 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 even your knowledge that anything you can't know anything for sure is exactly, is exactly. correct. That's the point, and I. So it's self-defeating, and both are it is and, yeah, and the same goes runs, with ontological nihilism. Paradox. See, but the thing about. Uh, uh, epistemology, epistemological nihilism, and ontological nihilism is that we're we're forgetting that confirmational biases are supposed to be paradoxical. Um, if uh, of course you, of course, if I say that you cannot say anything for sure, the the argument that I'm making is not for sure either, right? But but I'm I'm not saying that I know that it's true. What I'm saying is that everything will eventually run into a loop, and this is this is what epistemological nihilism is to so on its score that everything will run into a loop, this paradoxical loop, and this is exactly why we cannot. Of course, I'm I'm not very big on uh, philosophically, you know, providing uh, um, a logical argument for uh, things I believe in like this because. There's a lot of things that I overlook when I'm talking, right? But um, my views, my views aren't as, uh, I, like I told you, aren't as rigid as you might think. I, I, I'd probably be a material nihilist or an existential nihilist, right? Epistemologically, I am an epistemological nihilist, though that's true. But in other senses where you might disagree with, I think that's where I disagree with myself too. This is why I am. This is why I. I'm an epistemological nihilist too, right? Because I don't think that anything can be true. You, I can. I, it could be true. What, what, what school of thought do you uh, believe in? Well, I would uh, call myself a philosophical you're a material. materialist or, or you're, naturalist. You're, you're a naturalist, right? Right. So uh, there's there isn't much there isn't much difference between a naturalist and nihilist. You know, I don't see much difference between 
Yeah, but um, it, it's it's that um because you're appealing to rationality in order to uh, understand your world, right? For so, for example, if if you make a statement, you need to provide uh, sufficient justification for it. And if if, if uh, your whole worldview relies on epistemological nihilism, then it it, it would be easily uh, uh, invalid when it comes to, when it in terms of being rational. Because because it stops being rational when it it when you it stops being logical, so it, it's not that it might not be true, but that it, it, it destroys itself yeah. as a but logical that, that, that statement. That is true, but even you as a naturalist would agree that there are things that we cannot get to, uh, that we cannot understand or epistemologically understand. Because, uh, let's say. If I say that all of all of this entire reality is just in my head, right? A naturalist would disagree with that because there's there's no way to prove it, and there's no way to disprove it. So it's something. Well, I would I would I would say that um, philosophical skepticism would be uh, very much in play in terms of every uh, for every school of thought, but. But in terms of itself being a philosophy, uh, when you use philosophy, you need to have a good foundation to or premise to where to where you ground your rationality. So, in terms of ontological nihilism or epistemological nihilism, they they are simply invalid. So, you, in a way, you can never actually use them in a rational argument. If we were talking in uh, in a ra- rational argument, okay. I could um I could agree with you in that because it's irrational it doesn't have to be logical. So so um but I, I would ask you then um are you also a moral uh, nihilist? All right. So about moral nihilism, you need to understand that I am a moral nihilist but how I see how, how I view morality is very different from what people generally assume what morality is because people assume morality is inherent and it's a, it's a it's a state of um it's it's an inherent thing present in the universe, right? But uh, of course, I'm a moral nihilist. I don't believe that there's a, there's a specific meaning behind having uh, being kind, right? But I also, I mean, you as a naturalist would also agree with this that as as biological beings and as human beings, we tend to value some things more than others, right? And it doesn't on a on a bigger level matter if I you know go on and kill somebody right now. It does not. But it would matter to your um, smaller ape mind because you there's an influx of emotions in your brain um, that, that will give you pain and pleasure. And we 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 must we must know what we base our values on. When we used to base our values on uh, theology. That was very different. Nowadays, we we base our values on uh, scientific research, right? We 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 find that uh, our our nationalist interests, right? So uh, we we find that um, uh, cats are cute, right? And we don't find uh, we don't find goats cute, as as cute as cats, right? I found both of them cute, but anyway. So we so we cut up a goat and we eat it. But the second we go close to a cat to eat it, it's suddenly immoral, right? And these differences, 
these differences, however arbitrary they may seem, these are these are some of the differences that aren't arbitrary at all. Actually, they they are arbitrary in the sense that um, nothing has meaning, right? They are arbitrary in that sense. If if we take nihilism to a very specific uh, human society, uh, a, a human culture, that would that would not be uh, that would not hold up because uh, because it. It doesn't matter if what ants do inside Earth, right? If they, if there's an ant colony, you you you'll just walk by it and you won't think think about it for another moment, right? But the ants are busy. They've been busy their whole life. They've been collecting food and everything, but it's nothing. It's literally nothing to you. You could you can drop all of it in like a single foot, right? But the ants themselves would feel some sort of, um, you know, emotional pain that will tell them that this, this, this event that just happened should not have happened. And this is what our minds are too, as as smaller beings, as beings that cannot comprehend the true reality of what the universe is. This is what we do, right? We we create, and this is why we create groups and other stuff too. And this is why we have to create. Uh, morality for ourselves. I do believe that morality is constructed as a moral nihilist, but I also believe that it's not constructed individually. It's a construction made by nature. Like uh, this is a very naturalistic uh, point of view. It's a, it's a, it's a morality is constructed by what uh, our empathy and our empathy is a biological emotion. So this is what I uh, hold. I mean, the Earth is a beautiful, or the life on Earth is a biological mechanism, right? It's a beautiful biological mechanism. But I, I as an analyst, don't uh, hold, uh, don't hold it sacred, right? But that doesn't mean that it does not exist. Similarly, if I don't hold morality sacred in the nihilistic sense, that does not mean it does not exist. That does not mean it's not bad to kill somebody or it's not bad to rape somebody or it's not bad to steal from somebody that those are still bad but just because it isn't sacred that it doesn't matter in the bigger picture that does not mean that it's uh, somehow invalid it's still valid um then for example how does nihilism uh, allow you to behave in your or how does it resonate in your life or how you um, behave Look, uh, you know, ever since this pandemic have happened, I've been actually I've been thinking a lot over and over whether or not I am right or not because I I'm having this um, philosophical shift from nihilism to Taoism because I've been a nihilist for what four years now yeah four years and now I'm having this uh, shift towards Taoism uh, because of uh, LSD and psychedelic experiences I've been having and then I've been listening to Alan Watts he's a very good philosopher and then I've been getting into the neuroscience of uh, Taoist philosophy and the psychology of the Taoist philosophy so uh, this is where I've been starting to shift towards what Taoist philosophy says right and I'm surprised how it's not talked much but it's, it's similar to nihilism what nihilism says is that uh, there is an inherent meaning, right? What Taoism would say is that meaning, uh, or Taoism would be absurdism, that meaning isn't, 
meaning you cannot find you cannot find meaning to the uh, existence of the universe you can ascribe it if you don't describe it that's absurdism if you do ascribe it, it that's your ego talking but you don't have to ascribe it and that's Taoism it says that um, it is meaningless the universe is meaningless yes but it, it is also meaningful it is everything that you can imagine it is everything that you uh, the same the essence of the universe but what, what nihilism says is that there is no essence to anything what Taoism says is that there is only one essence to everything that's that's the singular essence of everything I think that's how I would differentiate it and I, how I go by with it is, is it's actually pretty simple I mean I I wake up uh, I realize that alright this is the limited time I have on earth and I gotta make the best of it and I think that's that's the best part of it I I don't if, if I believe that this is the existential end of it, my death would be the existential end of me. Uh, that doesn't make me go out and kill everybody like people generally do assume. Uh, the thing with me would here be that I, I would, I would go by my day and I would actually be more liberated, in a sense, because at first this this does give, this does give you an existential dread right at first you will feel that you're somehow this is somehow wrong that you're in this world for like these 60 or 70 or 80 years and poof you're gone and that's it you're done and that's the nihilist point but it's also in a sense very liberating that you won't have to uh, um, feel the burden of um, consciousness anymore of your guilt of your pain uh, of your responsibilities, the 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 pain of life. I mean, life is terrible, and everybody knows it. Life is very terrible, and uh, we don't even know what our purpose is. We we don't know. There is no purpose when you talk about nihilism. But uh, even if you do talk about it from a naturalistic point of view, the only purpose that we have is to reproduce, is to make our generation uh, go ahead, right? And that's not that, that that's not really too far away from nihilism. And that and now that I'm moving a step forward, my uh, it's I'm getting into Taoist philosophy here. Uh, here I would I see myself, I find myself in a flow. In a universal flow, that everything is happening, because that's how it's it was always going to happen. And everything is happening. I do uh, believe that we are determined. I don't believe in predetermination. I do believe in determination, and I don't think that we have free will. But um, when uh, so, if if I if I you know develop that I don't have free will, what's there left? So do I lie down on my bed and do nothing forever? I mean that wouldn't work out because my will would get me up but I must realize that that is not my free will it is not me who is controlling myself and okay let me explain to you why I don't believe in free will alright so it's it's a very complicated and long topic but uh, in you know shortening it we only do what we will and we don't control our will alright so like my favorite color uh, is red and black right but I don't choose that 
it's inherent i've always liked red and black i don't get to choose whether or not i would like this similarly i don't get to choose whether or not i would like this song or not yeah and um uh and uh, i i want to just say that um it's been a great conversation with you malik and um Um, I I want to end this uh, uh, with the last question because um, you have left Islam and you've seen seen its flaws in your in in your own point of view, and you moved into uh, nihilism and then Taoism. Uh, what would you do in this world to make a, a uh, make it a better place? You know, in in whatever way you can, or how do you, how would you make um, a good I'll, difference? If if I can or if I could, I'll make everybody do DMT. You know what DMT is. It's just like I would, I would make everybody do DMT. I mean, that that that's the only thing that I I really want to do. Uh, I mean, okay, I st- I'm studying psychology for exactly this purpose, right? I wanna I wanna start uh, making people realize how important our brain and our mental health is, and how important and how much of an impact it really has. Because uh, you know, everybody sees their person slightly different from uh, the other person. Because we all have different perceptions of things. Even if we're seeing the same color, we're focusing on different things on that color. And what I want to do is make people realize that the world is not as black and white as you're trying to make it to be. There, we 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 must we must forget uh, of uh, the present. Uh, of we must forget of the past. When we when we must forget of the future, and we need to start living in the present. And we also need to start to do tons of uh, uh, DMT or LSD and listen to Alan Watts. This is this is what the, this is the advice I tell I give to everyone who comes to me and talks about um, you know irreligion and talks about spirituality in irreligion. I tell them just go listen to Alan Watts and it's amazing. It would be best if you're tripping. On psychedelics, even if not, this is almost. But yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> so that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr., and thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.